0: So welcome to the Quality of Mind
1: Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello, and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And today's episode, I have an amazing conversation uh, lined up and and one that I'm really very much looking forward to because the my guest today is probably one of the people that I respect most in, in the world of the work I do, someone who I've um, followed for about 17 years now, and I have a total respect for how he articulates and expresses himself. He's a best-selling author. He's a podcaster. He's a super coach um, in many aspects of the word, and I am incredibly honored to have him on the show um so michael neal welcome and thank you so much for being here
0: thank you i i was wondering
1: who's been stalking me for 17 years it was you it was yeah. there I, now i know 2013 uh 2003 we met actually back in the world of nlp okay yeah
0: oh, i i remember yeah. <laughs> i don't remember meeting you in
1: 2003 but i
0: remember being in that world
1: yeah yeah and i've followed your sort of Journey, and you've been a massive influence on on me, and I think the way you express what can be quite profound and complex ideas is is amazing. so um from me as an individual, thank you, thank you for being on the show. Um, and from my understanding of what you do, Michael, you, you work with a huge range of people in all walks of life. And that includes people who run large businesses, people who are solopreneurs, people that don't do anything to do with business. So, whereas the audiences and the listeners for this podcast, maybe business people, um, really we're talking about human beings. So, and you've been doing it for sort of 30, 40 years. Um, is that right? Well, 32 years now. 32 which is amazing cuz I don't look a day over 33. Absolutely. Um,
0: <laughs> but <laughs> just it's 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 a podcast guys just pretend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know it was my daughter who pointed out to me. So when my um, my daughter was in high school, one of my daughters. She she had a tough time. And uh, so we pulled her out of school and she she homeschooled and traveled the world with me as I would go and work with these companies and give these talks. And, and you know, I, I wasn't trying to make her listen, but she had nothing better to do a lot of the time. And, and so she said to me one day, Dad, does anybody else notice that no matter who you're talking to and no matter what the topic is, you pretty much always talk about the same thing? Yeah. And I laughed and I said, well, yeah, I, I suspect that anyone who's paying attention does notice, but nobody minds because it's relevant. If it's not relevant, there's no reason to listen. But if it can actually help you with something that actually matters to you, if it can actually help your company with something that actually matters to your company, why wouldn't you listen? I actually, my first interview, it was my first interview because in in, in, I lived in London for many years, but the first uh, big radio show that that actually made my first book a bestseller was um, Johnny Walker's drive time show on Radio Two, and it it turned out that I was scheduled to come on to his next to last episode, so it there was a it was a big deal, and there was a lot of hoopla about it. And I'd I'd worked with somebody in his family, and uh, that was how it came about that he had me on the show. I didn't know him, but he found out about me, and 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 he came he came on, and he'd been a a gent in every set, like he'd come and it, it came out to meet me before the show. He made sure that I had tea. He invited me back to his home for a sort of a small group gathering that was happening later. And then the red light comes on. So we're on air. And he goes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is one of those shiny toothed Americans. Come over here to tell us all how we should live our lives. Michael Neal, why should anyone listen to a single word you have to say? Brilliant. Which just <laughs> struck me as hysterical because, like, before the red light came on, he was so nice. <laughs> and I, I did. I just laughed and I said, Johnny, I'm not on a mission from God. I, 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 I have learned some things about human beings that when people see them, it makes their lives work much better. Much easier, much less stress, much less pressure, much less fear, much less worry, much less anxiety, but with the same or better results. So if you're interested, I'm really happy to share. And if you're not, bring the didgeridoo player back out because there was a didgeridoo (laughs) before me because he was good and I'd love to hear another number. So he wound up keeping me on the show for the entire show um and by the end of that week my book was number 1 on the bestseller list ahead of the Lincoln lawyer which also gives you an idea of how long ago it was but 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 that's the truth of of what i do what what you do of this conversation that we have with people is it, it only
1: matters because it matters hmm. and what do you think it is then because there's many, many people who I speak to who who would say, "Oh, that's really interesting," and don't then get that curious, and as many people that do, luckily. And and you, as a you know, as an author of lots and lots of amazing books, and and uh, people that read them would get you know some people that would get really affected, and some people that get a little bit, and some people not interested at all. Now, it's absolutely about relevance and what matters. But given the subject matter that we're talking about here is, which is you know, an understanding of the mind or even human reality that makes things better in your life or work. What do you think helps and hinders people seeing it, the relevance for them? What do you think helps or hinders that?
2: I I think there are
0: a few factors. I think one of the biggest ones, and it's a somewhat invisible factor at first glance, is we underestimate how preoccupied we are, Mm. how much Mm. we have on our minds all the time. So if I have a three quarters filled water bottle and you come to me with much better water than the water I'm drinking. Like I'm drinking sort of like municipally filtered tap (laughs) crap and, and you've got pure from the Alps, beautiful, naturally carbon filtered something. I don't know. You still only have a little bit of room in your bottle. So there's
1: often not enough space for you to even taste the difference. Hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because sometimes to me it looks like a factor of time, right? So if I have half an hour someone, then the likelihood of them hearing something is low. If I have three days, then it's higher. Now, I think if we, using your metaphor, that's probably because over those three days or the time, the apparent nature of time, the water's gone down in their bottle, and they might have a bit more room to hear fresh. Right. And if to take it out of the metaphor and back to
0: the point, it's when people quiet down on the inside, when they settle down, Suddenly, they've got all the capacity they need. Mm. So w- that's what happens when it, w- when it clicks, is somebody, enough space has opened up in their heads yeah. for them to see something new. And once that happens, because what we're talking about is true, it has a real impact on people. Mm. Now, if we were just selling a different brand of crap, Mm. then yeah, we do okay, but even
1: with space, it wouldn't really connect with a lot of people. Now, just in case a listener now is is maybe a little bit new to the show, um, what are you saying is true? Well, what I'm saying
0: is true is that the human equipment, the human mind, the whole human system is so perfectly designed that if you understand how it actually works, you can do so much more with it with with none of the gear grinding mm-hmm. you've probably gone through in order to accomplish what you've accomplished up until now. so it, it so to use that to take it all the way into the car analogy it's if 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 I've been driving my whole career in first gear and somebody comes along and goes, wow, it's impressive how far you've gone, but have you thought of trying second, third, fourth, and fifth gears? And you're going, what do you mean? It's really helpful to know that there's a second, third, fourth, and fifth gear that will let you go even further, even faster with so much less effort and none of that kind of grinding sense that if we don't, until we learn how to use a clutch, we grind the
1: gears. (laughs) Mm. And Let's assume you're a, you know, someone is an intelligent, well-educated person or, 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 you know. Yes, let's. I like this game. Let, let's imagine that. Can, can we assume I'm handsome too? Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of our listeners, of course, Michael. That was cool, assumed cool. with you. Why would, would they, could they not be thinking, well, why wouldn't I have heard of this already? You know, I'm 30, 40, 50 years old and you guys are talking about something that is true that I don't know. How, how would I not have come across this? Why was it not in my education or in, in my radar already? Well, that's what I thought when I came across it. So, I mean,
0: I came across this a dozen years ago, and I'd been in this world for, at that point, 20-plus years, and I thought, how the hell have I not come across this, especially when I started seeing how intrinsic it was to companies like one of the biggest change management companies in the world, Sendelaini. Their entire change management model is built on this. Richard Carlson, one of the best-selling authors in the whole self-help world, the don't sweat the small stuff guy. This was his roots. This was this was the basis of his work. I used to actually work in the book trade in London. So I ran the biggest psychology bookshop and the biggest new age bookshop in London as a as a kid basically. And I never I never came across this. And I actually made up this whole I think the movie's Brigadoon where where, like, there's this magical place in Ireland and it only becomes available to the outside world once every hundred years and it's invisible <laughs> the rest of the time. And yeah. I thought, oh, I passed into Brigadoon. Like, I, I really didn't know.
2: I've come to, to see that it's because we've grown up with it, we don't notice it. Mm. So, like, we don't... The air around us
0: is invisible. We can't see it. I mean, in LA, you can a bit, but that's yeah. scary. But, but generally speaking, you can't see it. But you know it's there and it's what sustains life. So what, 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 what I'm talking about as the truth that people just haven't seen yet about how they work, you haven't seen it because you've just been in it the whole time. Mm. Mm. If you got to step outside for, for an hour, and look back at Earth and go, why do humans do this? You'd start to see it. You'd start to see, well, what is it that animates them? What is it that guides them? What, how, how is it that they can be so freaking brilliant when they're brilliant and so freaking stupid when they're stupid? I mean, I remember one company that we worked with, the, the, the CEO said, look, if you can explain to me why the smartest people in the world who work for me do so many stupid things,
1: you're hired. Mm-hmm. And I could. yeah,
0: Because it's the same wherever you go. We and I don't understand
1: the equipment. So it's also we miss- it's something to do with the attribution that we give to that brilliance or stupidity, right? So when things are going well, people will look, the the sort of the the personal mind will look for a reason as to why it's going well. You know, oh, it's because of this, this, and this. And when it's not going well, they sort of point to other things. And they tend to be the things that aren't the mind. Mm. That They point to things outside of themselves like, oh, well, you know, tough market conditions and blah, 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 or we're a man down in the team, or this is going on, or this is going on at home, or we're in a pandemic, you know. And they're point, their attribute to all sorts of things and I guess what we're pointing to is going, oh, no, it's always the mind. Yeah, there, there's an old cartoon. You ever seen the, um, the comic strip
0: Hamlet? It's a British comic strip about a pig who's an actor. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, right. Okay, this is quite uh, going back a while.
0: Yeah, one, yeah. one of my favorite yeah. Hamlet strips. So he, he goes in, the pig goes in to see his agent, and he, he goes, hey, why am I not going out on more auditions? more, more job interviews. And, and, and his agent goes, well, things are really slow at the moment. And Hamlet the pig goes, well, look, I'm sick of this. I, my friends are going out. They're getting, they're getting interviews and auditions. And, and, and this person's doing that. You always say this, you know, come on, you can, you can do better than that. And his agent looks at him and goes, okay, you're short, you're old, you're fat, and you're a terrible actor. And Hamlet the pig goes, so it's really slow at the moment?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, it's more convenient to believe that, right?
0: And, and it's not that there might not be some truth to it, right? I'm not saying that people are, are making up market conditions, but they're making up that market conditions are the primary problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or even how their mind is in that moment is creating their view, of, is creating market conditions. Well, right. So one of my favorite analogies for it is
0: if, if I've got like an Aston Martin, it's a 12-cylinder engine, and I'm only firing on two cylinders, any road is going to seem yeah. like a steep hill. And if it's an actual hill, I'm not going to make it up. it. If I've got all 12 cylinders running, then most roads will seem flat and even a steep hill, I can make it up. Hmm. So even though life does present us with some steep hills, it's really hard to know, is this really a steep hill or is it just really hard for my little reliant robin to trot up it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's making that differentiation, you know, it, it blends into one for us, doesn't it? So we assume, well, the hill must be how the hill is. Forgetting, well, no, it's 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 the mind creating the hill. You know, that, that's what it comes and from. And
0: even if the hill is how you think it is. Yeah you're still going to get up it better in a 12-cylinder engine that's firing on
1: all cylinders than a two-cylinder engine. Yeah. Except, and sometimes it's quite nice going up a hill in, in, in a car. So, you know, well, you, you don't I, mind. I, with, I mean, I, I, I've been working with a guy
0: recently, and he, he runs multiple companies. And he came to me. We've been working together for a little while, and he, he kind of confessionally said in a session, I'm bored. Is, is that me? I said, well, Yeah. But let's talk about it and 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 see. And so part of boredom is when you're when your mind is spinning faster than life, everything looks slow and so it's all a bit boring. So part of it is that. But part of it is because he was now running on all cylinders, even though he had multiple businesses, which on paper, oh my God, that's so much. It was so easy for him. He wanted more hills to test the car out on. Yeah. So he Wound up starting another company and making a couple other changes. And it was, it was really healthy to my mind. Mm. Whereas for somebody else, that same reaction would come from this place of lack and I need more and I need to prove something. And it would have been a, the same set of actions would have been a terrible idea. Yeah. From where this guy is,
1: it's a great idea. And that's so interesting, isn't it? Because things emerge from different, what I often call apertures, you know, different spaces. And the very same thing that, oh, I'm bored, what can I do now can be very, very different depending on where it's coming from in you. You know, so for this guy, it's just like, yay, bring it on. I'm having fun. I've got some capacity. Let's do more. For someone else, it's an itchiness to, you know, to kind of prove themselves or validate themselves or to, to, you know, distract themselves from what they're meant to be doing. And that's where the boredom comes from. So, now, the other thing that I, I don't know if you find this, but when I go into companies um, and
0: actually this is true of individuals as well they tend to have already self-diagnosed the problem and written themselves a prescription. And if they want to work with me at all, it's to help them implement the prescription that they've decided on for the self-diagnosed problem. Now, there's a fundamental problem with that, which is that people are terrible at self diagnosing. Awful. Like, literally, one of our least, one of our lowest skills is -hmm. self diagnosing our problems because we're in them. Mm. You called it attribution, which is another word for it. We attribute our problems to something. Oh, it must be, um, uh, you know, the communication flow at work. Oh, it must be. Managing uh, client expectations. Oh, it must be this. It must be that. And so then we look for once we've defined the problem, that tells us where the solution is. When people start to see that, before you do any of that, you want to at least check that the car is actually running right. Yeah. <laughs> then, if it is one of those things, you're you're in the perfect place to take care of
1: it. Yeah, absolutely, because. Otherwise, you're you're working with a dodgy compass, you know, and you're trying to find your route. So let's get the compass fixed, and and then work out whether the, the route's right. And I think I think that's right. And I think it's that's difficult for business people to see sometimes, if I generalise horribly, because their job is finding problems and solving them. Right mm. now, if, if the thing they need is it, what we point to is actually, there's only one thing you really need to look at. That's how your mind's going. They'd be like, "What's my job then? You know, I'm I'm here to find problems and solve them, and we're just." But always pointing back, I suppose, to, to we'll look at what the mind's up to first. Uh, well, and so also, it's an interesting philosophical point because I'm not sure that is
0: what a, a good business person's job is. I think a good business person's job
1: is to create. Well, uh, yeah, okay, so absolutely right. So I think ideally, yes, but a lot of them think. Oh no, no 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 absolutely.
0: I've, yeah. I've, but but even that's an example of I've self-diagnosed that the problem is that I need to solve problems yeah. and I need to get better at problem solving and even that doesn't really stand up to too much scrutiny.
1: No. No. And and that's true leadership. For, for me true leadership is, you know, you know that there's like oh there's controlling leaders, there's empowering leaders, but we you know it's beyond that. It's liberation, it's actually being completely dispensable. It's holding the space for others to to, to create, you know, it, it, that's what it's about. It's not about trying to get in there. and I mean, occasionally you've got to roll your sleeves up. but And I, and I think that comes from what, and I'm sure this is probably the case for you, Michael, that when people see what we're pointing to, that just occurs to them as an obvious way to lead after they've seen what we're pointing to. You know, they, they, they drop a lot of their other stuff. You can't, I don't think at least, that you can lead
0: without... It being based on how the world looks to you, mm. <laughs> so so people's leadership styles make perfect sense given the world they think they're living in. Yeah, it's yeah. just that most of the world's people think they're living in have very little to do with reality.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and and your recent president is a good example.
1: I. I can neither confirm nor deny the rumors. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what looked right to him, you know, and that's how he led. So, yeah. Uh, and it's one of those wonderful ones where people, you know, in retrospect, is a beautiful... Oh, right. Now I see it. But in the, when you're in it, it's what you said earlier about when you're in it, it's hard to see. Yeah.
0: I mean, if I was to do,
1: uh, you know, a
0: greatest hits album of... Noises clients make during this conversation.
2: <laughs> it, would be, it would probably start with, huh? Huh? Hmm. Oh. Don't. Yeah. Ah. yeah. You know, it's, it's this yeah. progression from sort of Scooby-Doo style
0: disbelief to curiosity to genuine kind of wonder to insight. Yeah. Yeah. And once they've had insight, you know, my job's largely done Mm. because they can take it from there. Like once the car is running on all cylinders, I don't have personally in the work I do a
1: stake in where they take the car. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yes, exactly. So y- you're helping them understand the car, and then where they go and when their business strategy—completely up to them. Yeah, get that.
0: Yeah, and they'll be really well suited for whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, if we switch it to a football metaphor, mm-hmm. right? It's the, you know, there's the the exes. Have you have you watched the? There's a new show um, over here, Ted Lasso, uh, right. about an American uh, football coach who goes over to coach British football. And, I haven't and, seen that. No, no. It's, it's quite funny, and it's a culture clash. Yeah. Of comedy. Well, he's got a, a coach on this staff who does the X's and O's, like who diagrams the plays and, and you know, okay, the winger's going to come up here and then we're going to fake the cross and we're going to do this. And, you know, um, he's there to just get, make sure everybody is mentally and physically fit. Like that's the head coach, the, the, the manager, that's what he's there for. Right. He's got somebody else to do the mm. X's and O's. That's how I look at this conversation. Mm. Right, we want to get you match fit. Yeah, you get to decide the game you're playing. You get to strategize, but you can do that better when you're match fit. You have a lot more options, and you're more creative, and you're more responsive, and you're more adaptive, and the learning curve shortens. It accelerates.
1: Yeah. So whatever you want to do, you know, it's 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 fertile soil. You know, whatever the whatever seeds you put in. So I mean, if. What do you find is, so if, let's imagine you're a, listening to this, you're a business leader who's, you know, a little bit curious because you've got this far and you haven't turned it off yet. And you're probably in, in a situation where you have people offering you solutions to your human resources and your personal and professional development. What? what how would you describe the difference of the approach that you and I are talking about in terms of? what it will bring and, and what it is compared to some, let's say, if we can generalize some more conventional approaches. How would you describe it?
0: Well, in in the... I don't know if this is the simplest, but maybe the most uh, starkest contrast is that almost every approach that I've seen in the business world to improvement is is based on some combination of behavioral change, right? You need to stop doing these things and start doing those things. Um, and or uh, there's this kind of weird, and I, it's funny because I'm the American, but even when I was working in the UK and Europe, this kind of weird pop psychology idea that if we all just believed in ourselves and each other, then that would do it. And the problem with... The first one with it being behavioral is it's, um, it's, it's reverse engineering. It's, it's going, ah, companies that are successful do these things. So if we do these things, we'll be successful. And my favorite counter argument to that, um, the physicist Richard Feynman gave a lecture at Caltech. Uh, that was about the South Seas cargo cults. So after World War II, there were all these South Seas islands that had gone back and forth between the Allies and the, the Axis forces, and 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 they'd all lived through that. And both sides were actually pretty good about taking care of the locals because it was just good good for business. Mm-hmm. So they would bring medicines and food and things, and they would they would come from the planes would come in, and they they would have all these goodies for the locals. Well, what they discovered was that for years after the war, on, there were all these islands where people would, uh, they'd come out to the airfield to the dirt strip where the planes had landed, and they'd put coconut halves on their ears like um, headphones, And they take palm fronds that like looked like the, uh, the lights that people wave to guide the planes in. And they'd go through all the behaviors that they'd seen the people do that got the giant metal birds filled with goodies to come out of the sky. Now, on one level, that makes perfect sense as a strategy. They'd seen it work elsewhere. They'd even seen it work on their own island. But because we have some perspective on that, we can see that it was nuts because it was based on a fundamental misunderstanding of what was really going on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So in the same way, if, 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 if a strategy is based on a fundamental misunderstanding of why those behaviors worked back time, then instituting the behaviors is, isn't going to help, even if you actually are able to institute them because then you're also up against people's psychology and resistance to change and all of that. Now, when somebody sees how things actually work, they work them better. Stupidest example I've got, and I say that because I looked really stupid in it, but <laughs> I, I went to this hotel in Majorca to give a, 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 a workshop, and it was this beautiful hotel, and I'd gotten there. I've been told, oh, you got to watch the sunset. It's amazing. And I'd gotten there in time for that. And I had a balcony in my room, and I could not get out to the balcony. And I tried everything, and I finally phoned down to the front desk. I'm kind of pissed off. I've been traveling, and I, I want to see my sunset, damn it. And, uh, and they said, you know, have you tried unlocking the door? I'm like, yes, of course I've tried unlocking the door. <laughs> they said a few other things, and I went very angrily, of course I've tried that, of course I've tried that. So they sent somebody up to the room. Well, it turns out it was a sliding door. <laughs> and I, all the pushing and pulling that I'd done didn't work. Mm. Now, that was not because I'm not capable of opening doors. It's not because I wasn't motivated to open the door. It was because I just didn't understand how the door worked and I was too preoccupied to notice. Yeah, That's much more typical of where most businesses are than any one of us would care to admit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, see, it's, you know, for people that may not have experienced what we're talking about yet, they might go, well, what could I have misunderstood to such an extent that w- when I saw it, it would be, you know, the the same as you going, oh, it slides, right? Because I think a lot of people, me included, you know, thought I kind of knew how things worked. You know, I've been, why not? I'm a smart guy. So what, you know, and I think you hinted at this earlier, but, you know, we we are missing a piece of the puzzle, aren't we, really? That we just assume we kind of know, and therefore most things are going to be just a little bit additive. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, they might add a little bit here, but the idea of, and the word transformation has got to, I mean, it's just a word. So it's got to be a bad rep really. Because I used to call what I did back in the day transformative. And now I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Right. Because <laughs> now I know what transformation looks like. It's yeah. different to what I thought I was doing. Um, but I didn't know back then. So I wasn't lying. I was just doing what made sense to me. So and I, and I think that's, that's, it's people seeing the simplicity of what we're pointing to and realizing that even though it can seem pretty simple, there's a profundity of pervasive benefit that can pop out of that to the most practical level across all aspects of life and work. Um, and that seems odd if, if you haven't experienced that. You're like, well, what, this, like, you know, what could it be I don't know? And I think even Jack Pransky wrote a book saying, I wish someone had told me. You know, yeah. how have I been? How is this hiding in plain sight so much? Well, I'll go back to the error analogy. Yeah.
2: Like if you were trying to, if you didn't take science classes
0: in school and, and you were tasked with replicating the planet,
2: right? And somebody came to you and said, Oh, what are you using for oxygen? You go, What? What are you talking about? Well, oxygen. What's that? It's the thing
0: that allows all those organisms to breathe and live. No, it's not. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, it seems like a stupid question, and yet it's at the very heart of what makes us work and live. Mm. And so it's, it, it really is the same thing. And w- what I find is that people who get impatient for the answer and they're and just going, oh, God, these two guys, you know, when are they going to just tell us? Yeah. What, what they mean is, I want you to share the concept so I can decide whether or not it's worthy of my time. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that really is a great strategy for learning anything. Hmm. I'm not even going to listen until you've proven it's it's like it doesn't work that way. I don't know how. I don't know how else to say it. Having said that, I'll try a thousand different ways of saying it. I'm I'm open to that. But I also know at a certain point, really the answer is if if you think there's something here, give me half an hour. Mm. Yeah. Don't ask. Don't don't ask for the bumper sticker. Don't ask <laughs> for the, twi- the tweet. Exactly. If, if I could give you this in a tweet, trust me, I would just tweet more.
1: Mm. Because it would take a lot less of my time and energy. I mean, I, I get asked sometimes, okay, just, just give us the gist, right? Give us the gist. You know, maybe it's in a networking event or something. Just give us the gist, you know, as you're walking out the room to get the cup of coffee and you've got about 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, it's difficult to give you the gist. And, and I think it comes, this might be one of your stories, probably, but you, you're in the bookshop and you're browsing and you're looking at the back of the book and they give you a paragraph about the book. So we're kind of used to going, oh, I'll get the gist from the back of the book. Or let's say you're looking at a new recipe. You can glance through the recipe for your new soup. And within about four seconds, you can go, I think I'd like that because it's got ginger and carrot in it. Let's go for it. Now, it seems to me with this stuff, (laughs) if you do that, you either say something that they go, yeah, I know that, or you say something too weird, and they're like, well, I don't get that. So the gist is a bad idea. The bumper sticker is a bad idea, isn't it really? Because it doesn't, you know, sometimes. I, I I think of it as a,
0: a a coffee mug with a lot of different handles on it. I don't really care which handle somebody uses to pick up the coffee mug. So I'm not precious about how I describe what I do. I'll describe it in whatever way I think will give somebody enough to grab onto it and try the coffee. If they don't like the coffee, that's one thing. Yeah. But if they won't even pick it up and taste it, well, that's a different thing. Yeah. Um, now, what we have going for us, I think, and what people
2: kind of know but but then forget that they know, is we move forward by feel, not by logic.
0: So when somebody gets a feel for where we're coming from, they tend to be interested, even if it makes no sense to them. I actually commissioned uh, a, um, a a research study on my own clients. After about a decade, where I had them go in and interview clients about why they'd hired me and what had changed and and the first the first thing that came out of the study, which didn't make our brochure, was that uh, a, a, a a large percentage of people who'd done my programs wound up leaving the company um, yeah <laughs> they'd done the programs at, but that actually was in most cases reported as a positive because they were the people who shouldn't have been there it wasn't the good people it was the people who just were square pegs in round holes. But the other thing that was pretty universal is people could not answer the question why they'd hired me. Mm. They said, I don't know. It just, I just got a vibe. Yeah. Right. That seems like if you're trying to sell, that seems like, well, that's not very helpful, but actually that's really helpful to know because then you just show up and be truthful. And you trust that that vibe will communicate. People will yeah. go, I don't know what this is. I don't know what the secret sauce is, but whatever it is, I want I want it. It's yeah. going to make my food taste better too.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's so true because sometimes you feel someone's resonated with, with what you're offering and then they have to explain it to a colleague or convince a colleague or get budget from a colleague. And they can't really explain what it is. Yeah. But they have to, because in the business world, you have to sort of say, well, if we think it's like, this is, this is this, you know, but they, they've got a feeling that it, it, it makes sense and it resonates and they can't yeah. sort of pass the feeling on, but well, they could, but <laughs> in, the, in the board well, papers, it's difficult. That's why
0: you get crazy. You know, there's no rules about how to do it. If you understand that that's the problem is, is people don't know how to talk about it, then you focus on the outcome. You focus on why it is, what the effect of it will be, because that's what's relevant to the business. and you offer it to them in a, in a small enough chunk that they can find out for themselves what it's like. So I've got, a, I've got numerous colleagues who've gone into huge corporations, put together programs and not charged them and said, pay, pay us when we're done. Yeah. And they've often been paid more than they would have billed if they just come in and billed. Yeah. Now, once you've got a reputation, it's a little bit different because people will hire you because other people told them that too. But in the in, in in the short term, you kind of do need to experience it mm. to, yeah. to sense the impact of it. And so I try and make it as easy for people to experience it as I can. That's why I have books and podcasts and, so that people can get a taste for it yeah. and see if it's something they want more of before I go in and try and
1: convince them of it. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, you can describe it on the menu, but having a little taste is, is, is going to really help. Because <laughs> usually the menu is going to mislead you, especially around this stuff. So, so is there anything just relevant to where we are right now in the world at beginning of 2021 and there's all sorts of interesting things going on? Is there anything that's been occurring, particularly in the business world, but I guess anything in your clients, Michael, that has it's, it's been occurring to them about this and then they're seeing the role of the mind in that that might be relevant right now to share?
0: I think probably the biggest thing that's become obvious in the last
2: year to people that I work with is how much fear messes them up and how
0: little fear has to do with what's going on in the economy or with Mm. the market. That's probably the biggest thing I've noticed. Somebody, One client described it to me as, you've gone from being a luxury yacht to a lifeboat. Okay. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing that, oh my God, scaring the hell out of yourself and then trying to tackle your biggest business problems isn't really a good strategy. Mm. And when people see first that and really get clear on that and then see how fear is an independent variable, fear is a thought variable, a mind variable, not a environmental variable or a circumstantial variable. That's game changing. Anybody who's gotten anywhere in
1: business can do really well when they're not afraid. Yeah. And and I suppose in a way it's almost seeing the fear as a useful indicator that you're not seeing it straight. Right? Yeah. There's
0: I no I I talk that. about fear and other feelings like that. It, 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 the whole feeling system, it's like a noise detector. Yeah. So, you know, we have motion detectors and stuff, but noise detectors, like, I don't know if they do this at British football pitches, but American football stadiums, there's a big, the decibel meter, like how loud is the crowd? Well, our feelings are letting us know how noisy our heads are. Mm. And if we're really worked up, our heads are pretty noisy to direct read. And if we're really settled down, our heads are pretty quiet. Mm. And everybody, bar none, no exceptions does better when their heads are relatively quiet than when their heads are bunked up with noise.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we kind of instinctively know that, don't we? So that's why we will do behaviors to try and clear our head. And some of them might be, you know, uh, let's say less helpful, like having a uh, lots of alcohol or drugs or whatever. Some might be more your yogas and you going for your runs and and your mindfulnesses. And because we all, we all kind of know that the, clear settled, what we think is settled and clear is better. It's just sometimes how we go about it gets in the way more than the noisy head. <laughs> right. And, and look, all of that stuff can help sometimes. But it's, again, it,
0: it, it's, it's based on a misunderstanding of how the mind works. We think noisy is the default mm. and there are things we can do to quiet down it turns out to be exactly the opposite. Quiet is the default. We're just so habituated to noising it up.
2: We're so used to the noise. We think that we have to work to get rid of it.
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> yeah. And realizing, to, to quote one of your book titles, that that's a space within all of us in any moment, at any time, regardless to what, the world might look like, the internal or external world might look like. And knowing that and realizing that more often is just an amazing thing to know, isn't it? Um, yeah. I,
0: I mean, I, and I know you get this because you mentioned this before we came on air. I, I, I love helping businesses. I really do. But my favorite things are when somebody takes me aside and it always <laughs> happens and thanks me for what's happened in their marriage, with their kids,
1: with their family. You know? It's the same thing, yeah. It helps everywhere. Mm. Uh, Isn't it amazing that you get the most amazing outcomes? So you know, I've had people go to spontaneously vegetarian, and we've never even talked about diet. It's a business program, or people better relationship with their kids, and and or people's pain from a motorbike accident thirteen years ago disappears, and we haven't even touched those subjects. And I think there's something so magical about that because you're like because normally we'd think, well, we need to talk about it to fix it, you know, but this just seems to, this understanding just goes where it's needed. You know, it reaches the part other understandings can't reach to use the beer commercial. so And that shows us something special being looked at or, or woken up or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. It's, it's because we're dealing in universals mm-hmm. that we can call the
0: specifics.
1: Yeah. Yes. And, and that's odd for some people to start with because we keep things very universal. This is about any person at any time, at any moment, about anything. They're like, well, no, but what about us? Because we're, we're like this type of organization. We'll get to you later, right? <laughs> Let's look at the system of, of who we are or even what we are first. And, um,
0: and, and, and we don't have to get to you later, but, but we, we at some point will need to put you down. Mm. like we can start i mean i i i want to know what's up like i i I don't want to go in cold and just give a lecture if i was going to do that i would just pass out copies of my book and say read this and call me in the morning right which i do do sometimes but (laughs) but 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 if no if i sit down with somebody i want to know what the world looks like to them i want to know what they're going through i want all that but i know that What's helpful about it, besides sometimes just getting it out, it quiets Mm. you just to get it out of your head, is that I can then help them connect the dots between this abstract universal oxygen conversation and what's actually going on for them. If I don't know what's going on for them, I can't necessarily help them connect those dots. So I do want to know, but it's in that context, not because I need to see what they're up against. I know what they're up against. Yeah, they're up yeah. against the same thing all of us are up against. We don't understand what's going on. We're blindfolded. We're spinning around and we're trying to pin the tail on the donkey. Mm. It's really easy to pin the tail on the donkey without the blindfold and without spinning around first.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we listen to where the people are at to get a context. And then when we get into the understanding piece, that's when the, it's universal. Right, And then it almost comes back to the, the context again. But the yeah. bit in the middle is so beautifully... Time, you
0: know. I don't know if you found this, but like what I have found is over time, as you do with anything, you just get better for knowing when you can say what to who. Mm. Right? And yeah. you get really good, or at least I've gotten really good at apologizing when I go <laughs> too far too fast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's okay. Like, that's my bad. But yeah. we'll cut there.
1: Yeah. And actually, for me, realizing that people are, it sounds horribly trite, but everyone's enlightened inside. So sometimes, you know, I'd be a bit, little bit concerned about going to the spiritual conversation or what might look like that, because people are going to think it's some kind of woo-woo rubbish. But actually, if you say it in the right way, in the right time, in the right moment, a lot of people are going, yeah. You're like, really? <laughs> oh, you know, I
0: learned amazing. first business gig. So 30 two years ago, maybe 30 years ago, I, I went in to do some training for Unilever. And the guy I was with, because I was the junior trainer, um, he was at one point brought up some very esoteric, like way out there stuff, stuff that I'm like, really? You, you know, well, everybody in the room, that's what they wanted to talk about, mm. including the big bosses. And that's sort of, because that was my first experience I realized, oh, actually, that's not a problem. It might be a problem in getting hired. It's not a problem in delivery.
1: Yeah, that's a
0: great way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. Because people think they know what people want. And they think they know what they need. And again, it's back to that fundamental problem. If you've self-diagnosed your illness off WebMD or whatever website you (laughs) use, you are A, gonna drive yourself nuts, and B, God forbid you actually act on that idea because you will start treating yourself for problems I
1: can pretty much guarantee you don't have. Mm. Mm. So, so, Michael, reaching sadly to the end of time, I could talk for hours on this, but is, is there kind of one thing that if someone's listening to this going, oh, yeah, I have kind of enjoy what they're talking about, you know, what's next for me, you know, anything, any leaving thoughts? Well, what would, you, what would you leave them with? Well, what occurs to you in this moment as, you know, something that might be... Well,
0: powerful? I'm obviously biased, but I would say pick up a copy of The Inside Out Revolution. Yeah. And, <laughs> Available at all good bookstores, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but failing that, I, I think the biggest thing to
2: consider is how much of your experience is made of thought. Mm. And what I found is when people start to see, oh, well, okay, I can see this is thought and I can see this is thought. You start to see, holy crap, I think a lot more of my experience is made of thought than I think it is.
0: Mm. And that opens up seeing. That opens you up
1: to insight, to, to, to having a better read on what's actually going on. Hmm. Yeah, we're much more creators than we think we are. Well, the system is. Yeah. Yeah, for better and for worse. Yeah, for better for better and for worse. Abso- absolutely. Um, I'd also highly recommend, which I do daily, your podcast, um, caffeine for the soul. It is um, the most digestible, accessible. Between five and ten minutes of little insightful wisdom that you can pop into your daily routine—that I've ever come across. So, um, uh, I'm a massive fan of it, Um, and I think you've got something like 250 episodes or something. So I don't made that up. Is that about right? Yeah, I've been going yeah. for a while. Yeah, I've been going for a while. And actually, the the funniest thing about them is that if you if you listen to one and then don't listen listen to it. The same, even the same one, three months later, it will sound different. So actually, it's not two hundred and fifty; it's infinite number because they al- they always bring something new. So don't tell anybody, but actually, there's only one episode. It yeah. just retitling it. <laughs> yeah. So the creativity on the titling is very clever. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's a fabulous resource that um, Michael and and your books, you know. The, the the three books that you know Michael's written the triumvirate of this understanding which which is inside that revolution the space within and um, creating the impossible um, again are, are just three handles to the coffee mug that we talked about um, so uh, Michael I want to say a massive thank you because I'm I'm I can't really say you're, I'm your biggest fan because that's you know I don't know what other big but I'm I'm probably one of them. And you've been such an influence on my work and I have to thank you for everything that you've done for me in every aspect of my life and work. So, And also for giving up this hour to come on this little show. So thank you so much. That's incredibly kind and you're very welcome. Well, thank you. So everyone, um, have fun being curious and um, see you or listen to you or hear you all next time. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.